Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome along to another one of these Italian football podcasts. It's been a big weekend. It's been a long day, an even longer weekend. Bernsey and I are on the verge of falling asleep, I think. I'm here, Connor Clancy, joined by Ewan Burns. Hello. Hi. Hanging in there? Yeah, I'm G'd up by a million red cards. Yeah, we started working together (laughs) 14 and a half hours ago. (laughs) We've still got a little bit to go. Um, so that's been nice. We've also got Kev Fugzowski here with us. Kev, how are you? I'm quite fresh. I'm good. How are you doing? Well, hang on. What were the last few words out of your mouth there? How are you doing? How are you doing? doing? Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? How are you doing? Oddly enough, I just have been on the phone to the Scotsman. Maybe I'll pick that up from there. <laughs> Literally, someone in Edinburgh. So, um, yeah, maybe I was... Maybe they sort of entered me and uh, sort of took my uh, my language skills. Kevin genuinely appears to have lost yeah. the ability to speak in the last few minutes before we came on to record. It's been a long week. Been a lot about how we're doing. That I've only just realised, Connor, when you said about when we started work together, I actually yeah. it didn't click in my mind that that was today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I was like, no, I wasn't on on that earlier. I was like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> that is how long the day's been. Yep. Um... Which is why I cannot wrap my head around the fact that Milan played on Saturday night because that feels like it was <laughs> Thursday. Uh, it's been a long day, but look, we're nearly at the end of it now. Oh, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling with the fact that we've had all ten games nice like on the, yeah. on the weekend. You know, we've already we've already recorded. Nice, but shall <laughs> yeah. we get into it before we waste any more time? He says as he doesn't even have the list of Serie A results up in front of him. But it started on Friday <laughs> and it finished on Sunday, which is the first time we've had a three day match day since Christmas and that is as nice as it is stupid but we've got another three day match day next as oh they're not confirmed are they they are confirmed after the international break but we do have an international break now so we can have a little bit of rest maybe <laughs> maybe it started on Friday evening Sassuolo beat Spezia 1-0 and Atalanta beat Empoli 2-1 by that same score hang on what's going on hey I lost the Zencaster server again. I forgot again. you had been seeing Kev just disappeared, went offline. Right. I was looking at a different yeah. tab and I could just hear you giggling. So stop it because I'm telling you now, I got, yeah. at the end of a 15 and a half hour working day by the time we finish recording, I'm not editing this podcast. So please do Don't not blame test me. Don't blame me. Blame the software. Atalanta beat Empoli 2-1. Monza Cremonese was 1-1. Salernitana Bologna was 2-2. And Udinese beat Milan 3-1 in the most surprising result of the match day. Milan back to being rubbish again, it seems. Samp got a shock win, which is probably almost as surprising as Udinese's. They beat Verona 3-1. The biggest shock there was that Samp scored more than one goal and they won a match at home. Napoli beat Torino 4-0. Of course they did. Their lead at the top. Extended again. It's now 19 points. It had been 18 points. And before that, it had been, I think, 16 points. It's going to be over very, very soon. Fiorentina beat Lecce 1-0. The two derbies to finish the match day. Sunday, 6 o'clock, Lazio beat Roma 1-0. And then Juventus won at Inter by that same scoreline. There were red cards aplenty in those. And I think we should probably start with the... I'm going to say it, the biggest derby that we had this weekend, it was the one in the capital. It was Lazio-Roma. Bernsey, Mattia Zaccagni got the game's only goal and Lazio left with all three points. I will talk about that. I want to very briefly point out the irony that Vito is not with us when Samp have won only their third game of the entire season. (laughs) He's not here to talk about it. I have a feeling (laughs) one of their other wins came when he wasn't on the podcast as well this season. (laughs) One of their other wins. It must just be (laughs) the other win, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, the the Lazio game, it's a weird one because obviously the, the red card for Ibanez came not very far into the game at all. Um, what was it, 20-something minutes or whatever. Um, and, you know, there's no getting around the fact that completely alters the spectacle. It did mean that the first half was extremely feisty. Um, and there was, you know, it didn't feel like there was going to be one red card. And it didn't end with one red card, although the the other two came after the full-time whistle. <laughs> um, yeah, I but feel it did massively... of that, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, because, like... That that the the way in which they happened after the whistle absolutely could have happened during the game as well. There, there wasn't really much difference, um, but yeah, the game's a spectacle did get dampened by that red card. Like it helped create all the fighting and stuff, but in terms of the football match, it did hinder it. Um, I think Roma probably did pretty well for it to only be one nil. Really, in in the context, La- Lazio were attacking throughout, looked pretty decent without looking prolific and maybe maybe should have scored more considering how long it was with 10 players. Do you think 1-0 flat as Roma? Um, I mean, they did have they the goal. do, really? Like Roma did sense. have a goal that was it looked fine for a long time and then it was ruled out. So it, <laughs> they very nearly got a point from that position. Yeah, and I think that, that would have been pretty incredible, really, because I think you know they, they had ten players for so long, and it was basically just one-way traffic the whole time. I think the fact that they didn't kind of implode in the atmosphere, being the way team and etc., and you know get somebody else sent off at least within the ninety and just concede loads, which can happen very easily in that situation, is probably the best they could have hoped for. That that goal that they had disallowed took so long, considering when Four you saw the. Yeah, what are we calling it now? Are we call it the automated offside, whatever we're calling offside. it. I can't remember what it's called. Semi-automatic offside. It, the, the player was so far ahead of the yeah, Lazio player slam dunk, in the right? once, you, once you saw it. <laughs> yeah, it was like, how has that taken four and a half minutes? It was it was crazy when you sort of consider because I thought you know it was going to be a, and it, it it messed with my head a little because I'm much. thinking okay so there's like a, there's a bit of a shoulder there that's just beyond the other player and I'm thinking no that's the defender. The other player mm. is so far beyond that Lazio player in that that still computerised image that I can't believe it took that long. But yeah, it was a it was a strange old, strange old. Uh, well, yeah. There were quite a lot of decisions long. this weekend. Like, I mean, in the last two games that we've just watched, the two derbies that I can't quite understand, and the the process to get to that offside decision is definitely one of them for me. With yeah, I can't work it out for. All of the reasons you've said, Kev, I would very much echo those. But can we talk about the first half, please? Because the first half is where all of the fun was. Because it was just chaos. People were kicking people. People were pushing people. Everyone was going mad. Gianluca Mancini somehow didn't get booked twice. Kev, I can't be the only one that at points in the first half was expecting this to finish nine against eight. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it started with a lot more intensity than than I expected because um, this now this isn't a push for the book, but for the, the book that I've just brought out, everybody, uh, I attended the derby in uh, the end of the 2017-18 season, and it was a similar sort of thing. Roma and Lazio were third and fourth, although there was you know a little bit of the season left. There was only three automatic places in Champions League, and they kind of played out a sort of a, a, a tepid really uneventful uh, nil-nil draw because it was almost like we'll we'll just take this we'll move on and we'll go and you know settle our destiny destinies based on the games we've got left against the other teams but you know it was blood and thunder straight from the start you know <laughs> you, you, like you said you were expecting there at least to be a red card for each side and um yeah you had mentioned it uh online that with Mancini on the pitch after yeah, that Ibanez is gone you thought it was gonna couldn't probably be him um what you sometimes see also is the refs maybe even things up because it was it was probably warranted red card for Roger Ibanez, but um, soft in a way. I think some other, maybe other occasions, maybe other referees would let them go. I was in shock during this game because before Gianluca Mancini finally got his yellow card, the commentator said something <laughs> that I couldn't quite believe I'd heard, which is that he's only picked up 
four yellow cards in Serie A this season. And the last one before this evening was on the 2nd of November. Now, Ewan, that's not, that can't be the case. I mean, it'd be wonderful if we were able to record warnings, wouldn't it? How, yeah. how many warnings he's had in comparison to everybody else? Because it must be like 55 times more than any other player if he's somehow avoided yellow cards. Now, that would be a better statistic than some that the Syria site come up with. <laughs> all this sort of optimum length and all this other thing they come up with. All those statistics, the um, warnings would be much, much better. The for optimum it. stride width. Um, but yeah, is that, mm. is that a real one? I don't know. I mean, I made it up, but I, okay. I wouldn't necessarily right. say no. <laughs> but see, the fact that I had to question that <laughs> tells yeah, exactly. you what we're dealing with on the Serie A account. But... Maximum apex height, I think. Yeah, yeah, that actually is one, which is, that's that equally as daft as what I just said. What you said. <laughs> Maximum Indeed, what? Indeed, yeah. Apex height. Is, <laughs> that is, that's actually there's, worse. There's, there's yeah. like, <laughs> it is, is because yeah, that doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. The high altitude game was the best <laughs> one in Rome. <laughs> oh. I remember checking the sea level, that sounds... what the altitude level of Rome was, yeah. it was like 50 metres. But that just sounds like something Victor Osman's getting every time he sort of scores we'll another head We will get on to him. We will get on to him. Don't you worry. Yeah. Altitude striker. It it was a Matea Matea Zakania goal that that settled it. Lazio have now done the double over Roma for the first time in a Serie A season since 2011-12. As we mentioned on the preview show for people over at Patreon.com/slash Total Italian Football, and that gives them the head-to-head advantage, which I didn't expect to be the case this season because Lazio were just so funny. Roma feel a little bit more... They are still a bit stupid, but they feel a little bit less stupid than Lazio. Their swings aren't quite as wide. Roma are more like, centred towards scraping wins and just getting beaten, whereas Lazio can get hammered and, and hammer somebody. But Kev, this should give Lazio something to to build upon but their issues this season have been that when they've got these wins they've fallen short so they've got Monza next you'd expect them to mop the floor with them yeah you would um they've not been quite as bad as Inter sort of uh having terrible sort of points losses after uh looking like they're going on a bit of a run I think um uh, we've got this international break now so there's a lot of planning that Sarri will be doing. I saw after the game he was happy that uh, Zakanyi and also uh, Kasele, who scored the own goal that was disallowed, uh, aren't going away on international duty. So he said like, they've, they've been playing um, games every four days. The team need a rest. So I, I think actually Sarri will use this to his advantage and they, they'll come back, they'll, they'll smash them and hopefully use the, um, the lack of European football to get a different face in Champions League next year maybe. Fingers crossed, Burnsy. Um, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't share my sentiment about a different face in the Champions League next season being Lazio. So. <laughs> this this top four fight, it's it's so daft that even when, even if a team you prefer loses a game against another team in it, nothing ever seems to quite feel like the be all and end all because it keeps switching around so many times. It, it's kind of it's it's that that's bad for when you win because you can't quite trust that anything's really actually happening but it's good for if you lose because you think yeah but next week it could literally just you know i know not next week in this instance but generally speaking it can just flip straight back around again Lazio may well drop points against somebody rubbish and roma may well win and then flip again the next weekend because that just seems to be what's happening every single week with all of these teams that they're, they're, they're all generally speaking not very good. <laughs> because I was uh, I was doing some stuff at, at the day job, um, some modelling, some number modelling, and I was keen so the, to the, work out. The word out. number was key there, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, number modelling, not just normal modelling. And uh, I was keen to work out when Napoli are going to win the league um because i wanted to get down to naples but actually it's it's now going to be uh week 32 everybody uh for the, for the fun for you everybody say that. but napoli i've got you finishing. say that i still think it's 31 
against you yeah. against Juve. Um, yes, oddly enough, if Juve had fifteen points back, let's say for you know for any reason whatsoever, uh, it wouldn't be thirty-one because there wouldn't be a big enough gap in the points that are available at that stage of the season. But um, no, the uh, I, I might actually write this down and uh, look at it in the, the season. But I have Napoli finish on ninety-seven, and then. Inter, Lazio and Roma all finishing on 70 and Milan on 68. That'd be amazing, Hang on. It? So there's so your... who's finishing second? Uh, in, well, actually, because it doesn't allow for the head-to-head, those three are just okay. on 70 points. But, Inter, uh, yeah. Roma, Roma and Lazio. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So what you've predicted, Kev, mm. second place will have 70 points. Napoli already have 71. Yep. It's done. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> the title's done. Fine, easy. Um, oh, we'll you're late. You, you've missed it. <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, they're celebrating. No, yeah. No. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about Inter Juventus, aren't we? Because that was the other derby, the second one. I found this a bit of a tough watch, to be honest with you, as I as I tend to when one of these teams are involved. And it came at the end of a long day and a longer week, so I was distracted and willingly. I'll admit, I'm not sure if it, because it came at the end of a long, well, it's been a long two weeks. I think after coming after that other derby, mm-hmm. I was distracted anyway. Because I just, I, know, I felt, because I, I was doing other stuff, but I felt like I, I, I dedicated more time to the Rome derby than I was expecting to. So then when Juve Inter was playing, or into Juve that way around, uh, I felt like, because I'd invested that other time in the room, I really had to sort of be a little bit more engaged with other things going on in the home, which is usually, you know, Stace wanting to have a conversation with me. But um, it was it was a it was a hard one to get into. It was hard to get into. I think we have to have a little bit of a discussion. I I don't think anyone here is going to get a tinfoil hat on anytime soon, which is helpful. Although I think it might be easier to explain if we did get our tinfoil hats on, because. Adrian Rabio doesn't appear to be able to be penalised for handballs. Um, Philip Kostic's goal was controversial, to say the least, Bernsey, because it seemed like not only Rabio but also Vlaovic handballed <laughs> the ball before the goal. Twice. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing at the moment. This is kind of happening across leagues. Is that because obviously Bia's been around in those top leagues for a little while now. <clears throat> Sorry, but you still, you still get, you know, there's there's still lots of little rule changes going on, and the handball rule is one that has been repeatedly changing over the past like three or four years, and it, I think that that, that there has been a massive increase, not just in Italy but other leagues as well. But, you know, there's been loads of it in the Premier League where there's just lots of decisions where you can look at it and compare it to another one and go, that was the same thing with a different outcome, <laughs> and it it almost seems to be it gets to a point where you think. You know, is it competency of officials? Is it how the information is being delivered to them? And, you know, what time frame they've been given to learn this stuff? Because obviously, you know, while it is an assistant reviewing it and stuff, these are, for all intents and purposes, kind of still snap decisions in a pressurised environment. You know, they've got a bit more grace than they used to. But it's, as much as we want to slag them all off, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Is the environment pressurized when it's the var guy though uh i mean yeah i think it still is not not as much as it is for the ref um but i think you know you you are still essentially under quick time pressure to do something knowing that millions of people are massively scrutinizing what you're doing in that exact moment um i'm not necessarily trying to defend the refs as such but i, I think maybe systemically within officiating there seems to be confusion around handball rules basically it seems to change a lot and they seem to struggle with the implementation of it because it keeps changing i i think that is part of the problem and we've we've gone too far down this road of talking so much about interpretation of the handball rule or what part of the sleeve it uh you know it hits um Jardly enough, a, a different podcast I was listening to, Jonathan Wilson made this point, and I made it online earlier this evening, uh, tweeting that the rule was brought in 
decades ago to stop people literally running with the ball. You know, that's where the sport sort of was born from. And then, you know, kind of added to that, it was it was brought in to kind of stop people punching uh, the ball into the net. Although that didn't stop uh, our dear Diego in 1986, but you know, we're not complaining. Um, but then VAR would have stopped, you know, stopped that not being. No, no, but but then but then VAR would have stopped spotting someone point punch the ball into the net and i'm old enough you know you say it often enough i'm old enough to remember when the ball striking you like it struck rabio and that and it had no direct impact on that little phase of play even if it led to a goal you know there was a lot the ball moved a long way before it you know kostic um scored but you didn't even see arms flailing calling for the ref to give a handball you know that was almost the perfect scenario was was what we had the, the players' reactions, how they felt about handballs, say twenty years ago. But if VAR could spot the ones where it's come off of somebody's arm, there was there was another handball incident this weekend where the Spezia defender, it, his his body's in a natural position, but the, the the shot's coming from so close away that it hits his hand and it's but it's going to stop a goal, and that's fine. I've got no problem with that. Because then, but people then have discussions. Oh, his arm was in an unnatural position. The only place that ball is going, when it strikes his arm, is in the goal. So I wouldn't even book him, but I would say penalty. You know, in that scenario, I think the booking is ridiculous. In the same way as a player can be shooting the ball and it's going off to the corner flag, and it strikes their arm just on like the edge of the area, and we suddenly get a penalty. The ball is going nowhere near the goal. If it's directly, if, if you're not, if your arms aren't in an unnatural position, and the ball's going miles away and stuff, then just just ignore it. It's 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 really hard for for referees, you know, more than anybody else. I think people very when you get one like the Juve one tonight, I think people very quickly want to jump to another extreme of sack it all off, get rid of all of it, sort of thing. And I still think that is utterly stupid because if you look at the Roma Lazio game, that Roma equaliser. Yes, it took them too long to get to the decision, and that's a kind of separate discussion. That's something that can be streamlined. But that goal would have stood pre-VAR. That would have been a goal, and it shouldn't have been a goal. And can you imagine the uproar? I think people are very quick to forget what it used to be like when you conceded a goal that was blatantly offside, or you had a red card that was just utterly stupid, whatever, or one missed for the other team. It was horrible. And I think, generally speaking, having... Yeah, video technology, in a retrospective sense, is in basically every other major sport. Like it's football was lagging behind in that way. And it still does for lots of you know. Look at rugby where they can listen to the ref, and it affects player behaviour on the pitch. That that feels like the correct way that things should be heading. It's just that football is a very proud sport. But like like I said, I, I still I think it should still it should still exist. But I think. They they're really struggling with the implementation of it. I generally agree that we we do need VAR, and my issue isn't so much with that; it's more with what the handball rule keeps changing mm. to and from. No, we're gonna move on because we've spoken too much about this already. No, <laughs> no, just just one. Oh, oh, okay, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> no, then. Well, well, because I, I was gonna say we had. So I'm, I'm I'm all for VAR, all for VAR, but this handball rule, the special one. Fine, natural body handball. The the Juve one doesn't take it away from a into into uh, player. You know, it doesn't doesn't deflect far enough. You've got the other example this weekend, which was the um, the Udinese player. It bounces unfortunately up off of his thigh, but across his body, and his hands just there. Now that you know, I'm not claiming that that's not a penalty because his hands in a natural position. It, it comes off him so quickly because it's going into the path of a Milan player. That's the one where an unfortunate deflection can hit your arm and, and stop that trail of where the ball's going, and it's close enough that you really got to give a penalty in that decision. But uh, you know, in that, in that situation, but it's yeah, it, the, the, the Juve one for me is a little laughable. I know how much we you know want it to probably be a bit be a. I was going to give you an opportunity to talk about your book there, Kev, but I think you've just eaten into that time with your little. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Go on, look, we've had two big derbies on Serie A, Kev. You're a derby man. Tell us why. Uh, I'm a Derby man because I have launched a book coming out uh, in an hour in the UK, uh, 20th of March, uh, available on Amazon. Uh, and it's the biggest, uh, most passionate single city derbies in world football that I've travelled to 
read about my journey and there's two Italian ones in there for you, more than any other country gets. Um, and it's the Derby della Capitale that's taking place today and one that um, won't take place for a little while. Um, well, the Derby della Lantana between Genoa and Sam. Has it got Birmingham versus Villa in it? <laughs> it hasn't. I stayed away from UK, uh, UK no grounds. No fucking chance. <laughs> Yeah. Twitter user. Nobody watches English football. <laughs> what an angry man. It's the biggest derby in the world. Stop it. There's no need to do the accent. That was childish. Listen, I, I grew up near enough to Birmingham that I'm allowed. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved because I can't do accents. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to do that one. Um, Napoli, they're 19 points clear at the top, Ewan, because they beat Torino 4 0. And. At no point in this game did I think, Phew, they they scored four but because they're just brilliant. <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, literally, barring a little spell in between the first and second goals where Torino were actually quite good and probably could have scored, barring that, it, it was like a friendly. Like all of their games at the moment are just, and that, that's not that's not slagging off Torino in any way. That's because of how good Napoli are. It's just. The games are just kind of a procession, and they they just score. Ozzyman just scores. He goes on the pitch, and he scores. And if he doesn't score, somebody else is going to score, and it's usually Kvalat Skellia. And if not, there's other people who can score. They just score all the time. And it was just... Other, and Dombele got the other, didn't he, today? Okay, sorry. Yeah, so there you go. That's his first one as well. So and add another one to the list. Who can score? They're, they're just... There's goals everywhere. Everyone should watch them when they are on, even though... If you've done it enough now, it can it can actually, in a weird way, get boring. No, on, only only in the sense of the spectacle. You know exactly what's going to happen. But then one of them does a really good goal, and you go, "Oh yeah, that's why I'm watching this because they're going to do really good goals." Yeah, I. I... It's almost as if you can pre-write a match report, go out for Mother's Day <laughs> lunch with your mum, come back and publish it. <laughs> that's how that's how much you can predict what Napoli are going like to do. I was doing that for Milan when they were winning every game one 0 and now I don't know what to do with them either. Um, I disagree that it's boring. I take the point, but I don't think it is because there's so much more at play here. It, it it's Napoli. It's not yeah. one of the teams that's. It's not a team that's been winning every league for a few years or even won anything for 30 years Kev they were away today though see I know you've what I know you've probably done like the Euro pod but the the British commentators were making maybe because of what Ewan was saying you know they had very little else to speak about and they were sort of spent a lot of time comparing we're trying to compare and eventually just come back round to the fact that no, this achievement wouldn't be any better than the Maradona era. You know, it was their first title, wasn't it? But then you look at you look at the potential route they've got to the Champions League final. You look at how they could blow away a, a Bayern Munich the way they defend at times this season. Chelsea have been absolutely terrible. Um, Manchester City, the only ones that I think that probably have that sort of experience and now to stop them yeah. is Real Madrid. And then I think. That people are saying, oh, you know, um, Kravitz Shelley is getting this sort of Maradona sort of size sort of following across Naples. And I think that's hard after like one season. But the the team achievement, if they were to lift the Champions League, I think probably would surpass those two titles, oh, yeah. maybe. Both, yeah. Um, I think in terms of what mm. it means to the city of Naples, no. But as to Napoli as a football club, probably, yeah. Because th- there's all sort of like, political reasons behind why those titles back in the 90s, particularly the first one, the 80s rather, was was so significant. But if, as a single season, if they win a European and Serie A double, that is the best yeah. thing they've ever done in a season. And you'd argue it was a more level playing field this year. You know, the finances of the the you know the the domestic teams and also the local uh, sorry the European teams um, now is just sort of out you know outstrips what there was in the uh, sort of late eighties early nineties because they don't have Diego Maradona like Faraskelia is a guy who came from Georgia last year no one knew it's not they don't have the best player in the world he could well go on to be that but he's not we did speak on the Europod no. and on the preview pod but both of those were recorded before the Champions League draw was made. But I remember, Bernsey, I've chatted to you so much that I can't remember if this was on air or if we just had this chat after the draw because we stayed on the phone together for close to eight hours. 
on Friday throughout our respective yeah, working days. Uh, but that was weird. I'm of the opinion <laughs> that over two legs, I reckon Napoli would beat Real Madrid. And Real Madrid are the only thing I can see stopping Napoli in the in Europe. But in the final, Real Madrid beat whoever they come up against. So Real Madrid will only not win the Champions League if they get knocked out in the quarters or semis. If Real Madrid gets to the final, just give them the trophy. See, now, I feel the opposite way around in the sense that, and what I've always thought with Real Madrid in recent Champions League season, when a team like, say, say, say Liverpool circa or on the, uh, 2018, just as Liverpool got good again, um, the kind of feeling was that in a one-off game, they could do anyone sort of thing. But it's it's over two legs where the sort of cream rises, as it were, and the, the, the teams with the most Nelson experience kind of get the job done. And that that's kind of how I feel about if Napoli were to play Real Madrid. I feel like they could they could blow anyone away, Napoli, over in a game. And this isn't to say that they can't beat Real Madrid over two legs, but I just think that the way that Real Madrid just seemed to get the job done in the Champions League over two legs against basically anyone in the past few years that's what I find more scary about them than the idea of playing them in a final. Real Madrid don't lose finals, though. Like, genuinely. Just, oh, I don't want to either. Just, but... just look up their record in finals. It's <laughs> actually not funny. It's so good. It's terrible. But they don't lose two-legged ties either. They, to get they lose them way more often than they lose finals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. How many Champions Leagues have they got? Is it 14 or 15? 14. 14. I think they've been in 17 14, yeah. finals. Like um, that that's not normal behaviour. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> No, it is no, I know what you mean. It is a it is a and I, I, the thing is when when they did the sort of first five back in the fifties with you know De Stefano and everything, we just kind of can can de you know, we can put that in that era and say that was you know, that was that was the start of the competition or whatever. But what they've done recently since within the three, I think then there was a year off and then they came back, they won in Kiev and then had a year off and then they've gone and won uh, consecutive ones anyway. That's that's just bizarre. In the modern world that we live in, it is bizarre to have that much dominance and just almost this magnetic pull to the trophy. Um, but I, 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 I don't know if this is, after seeing the draw, this is hope or... You know, just a feeling I've got that I see Napoli reaching the final. I see City beating Madrid over two legs in the semi that Pep will finally get one over, you know, because he's obviously... But then he'll up massively overthink the final. And this might be the bit that is probably hopeful and expectation. Napoli absolutely humiliate them. <laughs> that would be good. The, yeah, humiliate City. Um, but he kind of overthought the one that uh, City lost against Chelsea in twenty twenty one, and yeah. So who knows? But what a chance! And just brilliant, really, because you know we're, we're probably doing a disservice to Benfica, yeah. but to have an Italian side in the Champions League for the first time since was it twenty seventeen? Juve lost to Madrid in 18. Millennium Stadium. Seventeen. That was the last one I can remember. Seventeen was it? Two years yeah. after they lost to Barca at Wembley. Yeah, yes, yeah, twenty seventeen. Because I know Barca was definitely twenty fifteen. Yeah, it, it is good, isn't it? Like, I'm I'm not gonna say we have obviously we don't, but even include Benfica in it. I tweeted this shortly after the draw. How do you want to speak again? You just finished. That <laughs> to have an Italian well, team or Benfica in the final guaranteed is amazing. Mm. Yeah, and the draw was made after I'd got back from Madrid, cancelled my hotel in Istanbul and realised, actually, now I've got some holiday <laughs> left. So if Napoli, or if an Italian side was going to get there, I could have just gone out to it. But there you go. Um, put a hindsight's a wonderful touch thing. Touch on your social media handle, at rabbit rabbit on, because you never stop speaking. Just an insight to the listeners. Kev had barely closed his mouth and he put his hand up again to speak. <laughs> I thought he was joking, but no, he, he wanted to jump back in. At least I'm putting my hand up. I am a very polite podcaster. Well, because two minutes ago I was trying to move you on and you said, oh, I'll just bring it up later. That's not very polite, is it? <laughs> um, the rest of it, Udinese beat Milan 3-1. Kev, you get to talk again because you watched this. Yeah, it was... Um... It was 
well, Milan were as bad as you can, you know, you'd expect. Um, you know, I wrote a piece on total uh, hyphen Italian football uh, after the game about how um, the current the current recent results even have kind of masked that they just don't score enough goals. Um, they've conceded sort of uh, one goal every two games, which is sort of mask that they they score only about a goal every game so whereas last season there was something about them if they did fall behind they looked like they had something in them to score the goals that would get them past people but now yeah yeah and if you if you if they concede as early as they did like like this weekend or 10 minutes to to Roberto Pereira then you just don't think they're going to come back and they were a little bit fortunate although I did think it was a penalty um and then obviously they got the second chance after Ibrahimovic fluffed his lines originally, and this was where um, I mentioned I think on on our chat personally about uh, Nigel Spackman, the BT commentator, going off on a different about a bit of a rant about having to reevaluate the encroaching rules, and I was sort of pulling my hair out. I think they yeah. did that. Now they've they got literally it right. did that because. They have got it right, exactly, because previously it was they could pull something back for any sort of encroachment. And it was stupid on the uh, Udinese's part that the defender just didn't allow Silvestri to just come and collect the ball because no Milan fa- uh, player was putting pressure on them. But it just happened to be the, the Udinese player that was doing the encroaching then just sort of passed the ball out for you know, a throw-in or played it wide, I think, to uh, a teammate. And that's what happens. It's, it's whether it, the person encroaching gets the ball rather than the, the penalties kicked or scored, uh, kicked, uh, scored or, or, or missed. And um, I've got no problem with the encroachment rule, but it just, again, that's a bit like Roma tonight. It took so long. It, it felt like we'd had two attacks by the time they pulled the play back and, you know, we had another we had another penalty attempt for yeah, Ibrahimic. It was, it was another long one. Poor Marco Silvestri, by the way, <laughs> because he was playing really well. Yeah. And then as, as they pointed out, that's the second time this season, the other one being against Inter, where he saved a penalty. And then it's been retaken because oh, of Udinese players encroaching, and then they've scored. <laughs> He's been like penalty saves are, are you know, the second biggest stat probably for goalkeepers after clean sheets, and you know the ones that you really are proud of. And um, he's had two very good ones taken away from him. Speaking of penalties, sorry to go off a little bit, but did you see the penalty that Rio Vallecano did? No, that's that. You could have said. Any team there, and that they were towards the bottom of the list of people I thought you might say. Seek it out. <laughs> they did. Do you remember who did it? I can't remember who did it. The penalty where you pass it. Oh, uh, the Perez Henry. Like 1 0 or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've just seen it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> was it at their own ground? Like, was it at home? Yeah. They were in the home yeah. kit, yeah. Yeah. Good, because when we well, a, a very nice, a very nice groundsman let us in to see the state, see the pitch when we were walking around the stadium in Madrid last week, and then the per, the groundsman on the on the mower sort of started telling him off and telling us to get out, and I wanted to, you know, we want to have a little bit of a walk around the pitch. Well, oh, so hopefully that groundsman has made, uh, cursed them by by kicking us <laughs> out. He created a divot that the. Uh... That the second man tripped over. <laughs> yeah, he, he's mm. screwed over his own team. It's it's bad though, isn't it? Because they get the shot off, but he puts it over the crossbar. Imagine being the the guy who rolled it off because he he actually <laughs> didn't do anything. Because the the, the Piers on rerun, it was the the layoff Take was bad. He, up, yeah. But <laughs> that one is just purely the guy taking the shot has just fluffed it. It's not even deflected. I'm glad you've sent that link because it was Suarez and Messi who did it right. Wasn't it like that? Was mm, it was yeah. it was nice when they did. It. Obviously, it was done before, before, before as well. Cruyff was Cruyff. it? Mm. Yeah, Cruyff was the original. I think yeah. with Naiskins. Cruyff did the passing or the finishing. Cruyff did the pass. Definitely his idea. Wasn't it? The power to take off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he'll tell you. It was can anybody work out Udinese? <laughs> no, no. They're, they're... I couldn't even work out what that kit they were playing. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> They're the same as Torino. I don't quite know what they're doing at any point. Um, sometimes they're quite entertaining. A lot of the time, they're utterly horrendous to Not watch. Not often. Not often. Um, they've got some very good players individually. You know, Betu and Odoji and a couple of other. You know, Dale Faye was good. Uh, Pereira can be good. But Every time I see Beto play, 
I just really want Atalanta to sign him to be like the next Duvan. <laughs> There's uh, well, talking of signings because um, Bacal's rumored to be going to Inter, mm. but I was watching that game thinking, has he worn number fifty all yeah. season? <laughs> It feels like he's had a sort of a January transfer window sort of change. Yeah, I could have saw he was number three, or you know, he had a sort of traditional number, and I saw it said number fifty. I'm thinking that doesn't look right. I know this player's face. He is a regular. He is not like somebody who's come off the bench just for this game. And he's wearing number fifty, and I thought that just feels like that's not right. And I wonder whether he's changed it. You know, I haven't had a chance yeah, to. I know. I think he has been fifty for quite a while. He's moved summer. swiftly through what's left. Atalanta two, Empoli one. Atalanta finally back to winning ways. I think Gasparini made a big decision and a correct decision to to drop Rasmus Hoyland and Adamola Luckman because they've been in pretty poor form. Hoyland as well. It's important to remember is still very young and learning his trade. And then he came off the bench and got his goal, Burnsy, which probably vindicates the decision even further. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a age-old tactic to use on strikers, isn't it? Drop them, wind them up, essentially, because they don't like it. No one likes it, but strikers really don't like it. Um, stick them on for the last whatever it was and see what they do <laughs> in a rage. I always remember, sorry, Ferguson used to do it non-stop with Wayne Rooney. Just wind him up into a little pit bull and then he goes and scores. And Hoyland did something pretty similar. I'm sitting here in my Columbia shirt because Duvan Zapata's back. Guys, he's playing really well. He's played really well two games in a row. And we've not had this. We've not had this for about 18 months where Duvan's been fit enough to play two games in a row. So he's my favourite player in the whole world at the moment. So just allow me to enjoy the fact that he's back and he's playing. And I'm going to be wearing this Columbia shirt for the next 72 hours, probably. Yeah. I'll say, I'm not going to wear it to Rome. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> what else happened? Fiorentina, they are creeping on up the table. They're in the top half now. Ninth, they beat Lecce 1-0. And Kev, they're starting to just have a decent season. It was like a joke, but now they're going far in Europe and they're in the top half of the table. All right. Yeah, well, I think we were joking that, you know, would they take plummeting down the table, you know, because they're at no risk of relegation, but sort of, uh, you know, making waves in the, the Conference League. And um, they've actually surprised us and uh, are doing both. They're sort of picking up points. This was a this was a dreadful, dreadful game. Please don't tell me you um, actually And they sort of scraped. Well, it was on. So it was on on the tablet as I was sort of wandering around. The tablet usually follows me around the house when these sorts of games are on. Um and uh, no, I had it in the pub with me. <laughs> That's what I do. I Sad take, these, I, ta- I, take <laughs> I take multiple no, devices. I take multiple devices to the pub. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Stace loves it when I take a little tablet and we put it in the corner. Like um, pick up some, pick up some wonderful Wi-Fi. Well, no, they were playing some FA Cup football, which nobody wants to watch that, do they? So I stuck with uh, Fiorentina Lecce. Um, I this game was on, but you know, they to a good one. It was the same as Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. I think I had yeah, I had Napoli on the phone, and uh, yeah, I had Napoli on the phone, and or whatever way I had it round. I had one on the phone and one on the because yeah, why are you sport, in the you pub? Can choose your game, everybody. <laughs> just be, uh, just be well, at home. It was Mother's Day. It was, it was no, it was Mother's Day. She wanted to see me. I haven't seen her for six months. I can't <laughs> uh, work out. Was she there yeah, too? That, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was She's there, on yeah. another device. Yeah, Kev was there. It was a video call. <laughs> I don't know, Kev. You're a confusing bloke. <laughs> She's um, on my laptop. She she was reading she was reading my book. Um, <laughs> oh, that you signed it for her. And... <laughs> you've, you've painted a terrible picture of yourself in like thirty seconds here. <laughs> I take all my devices to the pub. I never see my mum, and I, I make I gifted her my book. <laughs> you say terrible picture. Uh, consummate professional. Well, wanted to watch as much Serie A as I can. Let's not get into that. There you go. I don't go sitting stroking llamas or whatever. <laughs> what was llamas. it? <laughs> Cockabarra, he's, he's, he's got you back to rights there. He's got you back to rights, Bernsey. Listen, yeah, you could have been yeah, covering yeah, Udinese Milan last weekend, a whole weekend, and then like half the week, and then he comes back and he spends the Saturday petting a capybara. Listen, I've done a week's work oh, in four days, and I still managed to go and see some capybaras. I think that's decent going, and it was three hour round, no, well, six hour round jobs, trip. Fine. <laughs> I could have flown to New York in the time it took me to go and see them. 
going to let that hang there for a bit. <laughs> so everyone knows what you've been up to. Um, Sassuolo beat Spezia no 1-0. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, you, and that is the problem. Sassuolo Spezia was 1-0. Sarenitana Bologna 2-2. Looking at the other games, what else was there? Sam Ferrona 3-1. That's a shock. Samp are finally off the bottom of the table. They did their utmost to throw it away. Now, they were 2-0 up and cruising, and then Verona scored twice, and both of the goals were ruled out after quite long hard checks. And then Verona finally got a goal that stood, and then they were knocking on the door, and Samp just scored with literally the last kick of the game on a swift counter-attack. Um, Vito Doria, maybe it's best if you don't come back on the podcast for Samp's sake. Because I'm pretty sure they did win another game this season when you weren't on it. So, Kev, you look like you're dying to jump in here. No, I was just going to say there's no saving them. They're off the ball. Although, Verona scored their first potential equaliser just as I was leaving to go out. So, when I saw it was 3-1, I assumed that stood. (laughs) And then I sort of got to see the sort of final highlights. And I was like, where's the seven minutes... uh, Seven minutes injury time come from. So you've just explained that to me because I haven't actually seen. Did you not take this game with you? But well, I was walking. It's you know the one thing I will uh, stop at is walking down the road, watching football highlights, and potentially getting run over. Can't believe crossing the street. I can't. Kev Kev admitted to taking his tablet to the pub to watch the football on it, and then I get shamed for stroking a capybara. I think one of them is much worse than the other. Yeah. We were all weird, but I think one of them is worse than the other. <laughs> one of them is, and that's why we insulted one of them and didn't insult the other one. To be, to be fair, sometimes it doesn't come out because I can convince the pub to put the other game on. But, <laughs> by, uh, by threatening it depends them. What I'll pub get my tablet out if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because if, if they've got multiple screens, then we can find somewhere suitable mm. to to watch some Italian football. I bet they fucking love so. it when you walk through the door. <laughs> oh, God, it's that man again. He wants us to put Sam versus Verona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, quick point of note. Monza won, Cremonese won. If you think back to the 24th of February, the Europa Conference League's round of 16 draw was announced and Monza replied to that tweet saying, where is Monza? Since that tweet, they've lost 3-0 to Salernitana. They've beaten Empoli 2-1. They've drawn with Verona and they've drawn with Grimanese. Textbook. Yep. Anyone want to... <laughs> that just deserved. Nope. Fine. Oh, well. Good. Okay. Um, so, that will do it. We will be back in the week. I'd imagine the Women's Football Podcast. What's happened? The kit. Why are you I, I just wanted to know if Cremonese got uh, wore their 120th not anniversary kit. Oh. and Because uh, um, I, I didn't see know. this. If you, if you remember. To watch no. Cremonese, well, Kev, there's a better chance of me going to stroke a Captain yeah. Barrow. But then you this is them. about as pointless. <laughs> no, as, I'm creeped out by your obsession with them. You're playing I... a role. Uh, I've got a new favourite animal now, anyway. The Binta role. <laughs> So, I, don't I, don't, I don't even know if I want to know what that is. I really don't know what to say. What game are you missing <laughs> next week to go and stroke one of those? <laughs> Italy Malta. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Who's our... Oh, it's international. There break. are actually oh, alpacas yeah. where I'm going as well. Oh, for fuck's sake. I've walked okay. them when I was younger. Yeah. If anyone. If, if I've done two games this week. One of the this podcast lives in Norfolk. Bring your animals indoors this weekend because. Specifically, wells next to the sea. Right, there you go. You've been warned. Hide your animals because Burnsy's about. <sighs> the Women's Football Podcast. I'm going to talk to Burnsy about organising that, but I'm going to Rome for the Women's Champions League. What is going to be a really historic day for Roma because they're playing at the Stadio Olimpico for the first ever time. And they've already sold 35,000 tickets. And that went from 25,000 to 35,000 between the 15th and the 18th of March. By the time this is being listened to, it's the 21st of March, so that could well have gone up towards 40,000, which I've heard from people in Rome that they were hoping, like best case scenario, to get 30,000. So it's good. So they're not capping it. They're not capping the capacity for stewarding or anything. It looks like it's, it could fill. Obviously, we probably expect it not to. I have they're a not suspicion it anyway. probably peak at about 42 but that's just my own gut feeling more than anything else um but they've really started to sell 
because it was 15,000 and then suddenly it was 25 and now it's 35. So it's a really exciting time. On the pitch, I think they're going to really suffer because Barcelona are possibly the greatest ever women's football team. And like borderline different sport. Yeah. <laughs> and Roma have never played in front of a crowd like this before. This is the important thing. Barcelona play in front of crowds like this every Champions League game. They pack out the camp now. And something on Roma's side, Barca played away at Bayern in front of a big home crowd for Bayern and couldn't quite deal with it. When they played the Champions League final at the Allianz Stadium, it was a very mixed crowd against Lyon, big crowd, and they couldn't quite handle it. So maybe there's something there that when Barcelona are playing in front of fans that aren't quite their own, it's interesting. But whatever happens, what an occasion. And do head to total-italianfootball.com at Serie A Total on Instagram and Twitter. We will be covering that. I'm going down to Rome specifically for uh, anti carbonara. Kev? Yeah, it's interesting you're saying about the uh, spectators because I know some female um, footballers have sometimes commented about when they get moved into a big stadium and it's not full mm. and they struggle with that because they're used to a more... An intimate setting. You know, um, you know that's, the, that's an excellent uh, description, uh, intimate setting. But if they're going to have 35,000 there, then... You know, I imagine they're just going to fraud off it that. It should also be noted that the the fans of Roma's men's team have picked up a really good reputation this season for being so vocal and so good and so supportive. The fans of their women's team are also that. Like, there's there's nobody like them in Serie Like, Juventus have a vocal support. Inter have a vocal support. Roma are on another level. And they regularly have the highest attendance any given match week. So, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The atmosphere pre-match, I can't wait. And I, I just think it's going to be uh, a possibly... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. 15 hours. 15 and a half hours is taking a soul <laughs> of me. I can't think of any more pieces of vocabulary to finish this sentence. So we'll leave it there. Head over to the website and get us on socials and you'll keep up with that from there. Anything to say before we finish, Brunzi? No, goodbye. Campionato di calcio italiano! <laughs>